Hanging through the ether like a giant emotion. There's lotion, there's lotion. There's sometimes commotion, sometimes locomotion. Rank ideas. Take it to the bank, ideas. Welcome everybody to the true first episode of Rank Ideas. I'm Chris. And I'm Nick. It's really lovely to have you here with us. A true privilege. From our zero episode, we immediately realised that we're going to need something to rank ideas against. You can't just have... You can't just pick something and, and pin it to a wall. So mm-hmm. we're, we've decided to go with uh, a sort of zero, like a, a lodestone, like a baseline, you know, I guess, you know, an underground in France somewhere, they've got the metric meter or whatever it is. And this, this is, us, yeah, this is our prediction of what's going, of what we think is likely to be in the dead middle of the list once we've got every human idea laid end to end. It'd be interesting to see over time. I suggested that a fun one could be um, male because... Uh, I just figure it's pretty neutral, but uh, Nick, Nick had <laughs> some, a far would, some would call it the default. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Male. Every, no, no, M A I L. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's pretty great. Oh, you like that more? Yeah, than, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, let's go with that. Let's then. go with that. Male. As, yeah, uh, yeah. M A I L. Um, the post. It's pretty good. It's pretty bad. Mm. You don't want to get it. It's nice to get sometimes. Yeah. That's that's a sort of middle idea. It's convenient, but it's also not that convenient. Yeah, and and. Yeah, people, it's, it's a nice sort of personality litmus test in terms of, uh, it's, you know, it's a thing that people like to mythologize. Um, mm. You know, their own, their own personal childhood relationship to the male is always the best way that male was done. And I think that's going to um, intersect with a few other things that come up on the list. I'm, talk, I'm talking it uh, further down the list as I, as I speak, but I still think it's a good one to start with in the middle. Also, they measure the zero kilometres of... Um, like if you see a sign that says, you know, Melbourne, 300 kilometres or whatever, they measure that from the central post office. Yeah. Or at least in European cities. I assume we're the same. Um, I recently, at the risk of going off topic in episode one immediately, I... Um, let's, let's let's set our shingle out nice and early. I went to eat lunch and, I, and my phone was flat, which is a nightmare, obviously, because I was on my own. And um, I had three letters that someone had, my old landlord had given me and I was like, okay, this, this, these letters will be company. And I opened the first one. It was, um, you have to pay your taxes or you'll get a fine. Oh God, that's bad mail. Second one, you didn't pay your taxes. You're going to get a fine. Like, Oh no. Third one, collection agency following up. Uh, yeah. So that's just a counterpoint, the delight of childhood fantasies of mail. You know, there's, there's a real world out there and, and I think mail is a good zero. Well, on the, yeah, on the flip side of that, so on the flip side from people saying that um, the, that when they were young and they wrote and received handwritten letters that that was the best uh, and then presumably, you know, a previous cohort thinking that um, telegrams were by far the superior way to mm. communicate. There's also what you were just reminding me of, um, for me the, the most horrifying modern version of that is, you know, that Facebook inbox you have, the message inbox that's not the... That's not the main oh, one, the, but the, the other perverts, one. the perverts message box. The one for, the uh, one the unknown texts and whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing. Um, I had a great uh, example of that where um, the first time I ever discovered that that existed, um, I had a bunch, like a lot of people, I had like two years worth of things built up in it and most of them were spams, uh, mm-hmm. some gig offers that I was upset to have missed. And then there were three in a hit from spread across 18 months from this uh, um, from this person, Bridie, that I went to year, did year 12 with. And the first one was like, 
Uh, hey Nick, um, <laughs> great to uh, great to see you uh, on Facebook. Um, you're still looking as cute as ever. Uh, what's up these days? And then so you know, promising. Then the next one was like uh, five months later. It was like, hey Nick, I guess you're um, too busy to message this back. Um, I hope that's what it is. Um, I, I don't know, like, I don't know if you ever realized what a big crush I had on you in year 12. Oh, no. um, and I'd, uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to hear from you. And then the next one was like another four months after that. And was just, just like, well, I, um, I guess, uh, you've made them send me the message loud and clear, Nick. Um, you don't oh. have anything to do with me. That's fine. And then I was like, Oh, and I checked and searched for her on Facebook and she didn't have a Facebook. Oh no. <laughs> this is a nightmare. Yeah. It was real bad. Oh, um, I, I, like I normally use my phone for stuff and I don't even know if you can get to that mailbox from a phone. I've sometimes, I sometimes have and sometimes haven't and never known how I did it. Mm. I wonder, maybe I've got crushes out there. Yep. This is, it's the crush box. More likely it'll be Chris. You have to pay your taxes when you get a fine. Chris. Uh, hopefully no cops are listening to this. Yeah. Unless they have a crush on us, in which case they can pay our taxes for us. <laughs> um, well, let's, let's get into our first idea um, mm. to rank against mail. Um, yep. And it's just one that we're just, we're literally going through everything. So, you know, don't, yeah, don't stress yeah. about the order. Like, and, and again, if you are stressed, in fact, yeah, do stress and get in touch with us immediately to uh, tell us what you think we should rank. Yeah, we're gonna, we've got a Facebook page and everything. You'll be able to get in touch yeah. with us right there. Um, but our first idea, just because it came up so many times in the Zero episode, it's obviously on my mind, uh, is lunch. Yeah, real iconic idea in the history of human ideas. Yeah, it's great. I guess for... A definition sentence. What's what 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 embodies your lunch? Just a, a meal in the middle of the day. Yeah. So I guess there's a couple. I guess the things, the elements to unpack. You've got the idea of codif- eating at codified times of day, mm-hmm. um, and I guess a, I guess the communal aspect of that is implied or could be implied. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got the basic idea of there being not yet not just eating at a certain type of a day, but certain types of food being prescribed to a certain time of day. Lunch is different when you're a kid to an adult. When you're saying certain types of food, like, you know, you get a sandwich and an apple, but unless you live in England and go to the pharmacist or whatever, the weird stuff they do over there, lunch is, is a hot meal, do you think? I think of it as a hot meal. Okay, so we're sitting down for a hot meal. You said it's not alone. Well, I, I definitely eat lunch alone because I'm an artist who keeps artist hours, but mm. I feel like... Um, it's the time, even, even in our, uh, look straight ahead, um, culture, I feel like people at the very least, it's the meal of the day where you're most likely to be surrounded by other human beings or at least have them in proximity. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Happy to be challenged on that. Yeah, no, no, no. I like it. I think, I think it's good. Lunch is almost, um, in my life and in my relationships, almost a cult. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's taken on a really strong, because I also keep artist hours, as you know. And mm. so, which gives the, the luxury of, you know, just taking 90 minutes and you know, catching up with people and having that be the social yeah. event, because obviously everyone needs to eat. I guess that's, that's the thing. My, my ex-girlfriend, she um, would get physical pain in her body if she watched someone eating alone. Hmm. Wow. I eat alone so often. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, I probably have a slightly disordered thing around it where sometimes, um, my yeah des- desire to have the meal be exactly what I want it to be mm-hmm. um, means that I 
deliberately eschew the social so like the social aspect of a meal because I, you know, cause, um, when I'm eating with other people, I want to be, uh, generous and surrendered to whatever the communal eating decisions are. Yeah. Um, but also I don't usually like to eat like that. I usually like to have exactly like to, I, I spend a lot of my day thinking about what I'm going to eat. Do you? And planning ahead. Yeah. Heaps. I guess both, like both of us have different needs. You're an athlete. So you need to stock up, you know, like, so you probably uh, and sometimes that, sometimes sometimes control my weight a bit, mm-hmm. you know. Like uh, although I'm very lucky not to have to go. Well, I've learned that not being less prescriptive about that is more effective. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess I should say for listeners, Nick's Nick's a wrestler, and occasionally for competitions, he'll need to be coming in as close as possible, but under a specific weight. That's right. Um, I guess the other thing is like working in the fitness industry. I also have this thing where you know, and again, my job doesn't involve. Um, engaging with food or diets with clients or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I do so much of the fitness industry does engage with that uh, almost completely unsuccessfully, if not completely unsuccessfully uh, from in my assessment. And I feel like part of it is part of what's unsuccessful about things like uh, diet narratives and diet culture is the fact that we don't like a lot of things. We're not um, breaking down this, the weird systemic, strictures around um around our eating and i mean you could argue if there was anything that was going to make us rank lunch a bit lower Mm. it's the very idea it's the idea that the very idea of um there being times of the day where you are sanctioned to eat and other times of the day when you're not sanctioned to eat like say if you have a yeah nine to five work day or another another some such thing that i know nothing about Mm. um yeah it's it's it has a potential to divorce people from their hunger responses. Yeah, their, I'm glad you brought reasoning. that up because I find that so sometimes I'm working in a you know norm norm core environment and sometimes I'm not. And whenever I'm not, I'll sort of eat at like eleven, three, mm. five, and then eleven, like and and qu- eat quite a lot at all of those times. But then when you when you're chumped into everybody else's like their office breaks and things like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and maybe that's the. No, maybe it's. I think it could be much worse in Australia because people typically get like half an hour or something. So you've got mm. to go out there and just shove down some food. That's bad. That's a, that's not a good experience. That makes dinner more enjoyable because you're at least free. But uh, I, I lived in Hungary for a bit, and there they have. I mean, same pro, same situation with the office yeah. culture. But they, as a hangover from previous times, they still have like if you get office food delivered, you'll get soup, a large meal, and a dessert because lunch is still, you know the empire mm. of the day's meals. I, I really like the idea. That's a, it's an interesting one. Yeah. Again, what you were saying about what the flow and effect it has to dinner and perceptions of dinner. Like, I guess, yeah, for me, uh, as someone who, um, had a lot of weird stuff around food, uh, when I was younger and I guess I still have it. I just have, uh, strategies around it that have a lot to do with just my uh the privileges of my lifestyle the fact that i have really flexible daytime mm-hmm. hours so i have a lot of scope to just eat when i get hungry mm-hmm. um but also it changes the, how you eat massively it changes how you eat and even just even just that sense of freedom i mean you know obviously working past ideas of right or wrong right and wrong ways to eat or shame around eating or you know uh yeah i felt the more re- the more relaxed i'm not i wouldn't say i'm not relaxed about eating these days, but I'm the most relaxed I've ever been. And it definitely leads to just to better outcomes across the board, better, mm. better outcomes in terms of how food makes me feel when I eat it. And, um, also just, yeah, my ideation around it. That said, I'm, I definitely, I got to, I got to think about my food. So that idea of like a 30, yeah, 30 minutes, just going in and grabbing something. And at the same time, I'm also definitely too lazy to do anything like, um, uh, pre, um, 
you know, do a pre-cook on yeah, a sure. Sunday or whatever. It's not even that. I'm just I too, think I'm going off the idea the more we're talking about it. I, yeah, I mean, again, like the advantage we have um, – for this first first episode, is that we really only have to decide if it's better or worse than male. Mm. But um, yeah, the more I, the more we get into it, the more I'm thinking that it might be a relatively low ranker. Mm. Yeah, I, I, like the 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 luxury of the hours means you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want. I think the prescriptivist idea of what lunch is becoming mm. is. So I, I feel like I have an ideal of it in the past as being some, you know, perhaps if you picture Spain and its siesta culture, yeah. where, you know, people get together sure. for hours and have like a big meal. That's the main thing they eat of the day. Yeah. And, you know, have a nap, get, get together with the family or whatever it is. I love that. And yeah. I love to be able to recreate that. Is that the norm of most lunches I have? Absolutely no. And often because of that, the way that we keep hours, I also end up eating lunch alone because I'll realise that I'm hungry at two or, you know, I'll be hungry at 11 or whatever and then, you know, I'll just go mm-hmm. out and listen to my own body requirements and get stranded. And particularly, so we're around Canberra. Not a lot of places are open in, in unorthodox hours. No, I think this, I mean, aside from everything else that's divine about it, I feel like my initial engagement back in the day with the Burmese curry place in the city mm. was, I mean, it's delicious and perfect, but in every, mm. the other thing was... It was a place where I could go between the hours of like two and six and it would be open and have all of its, have all the choices. Um, Yeah, it's funny. Gentle listeners, I feel like the thing that's already coming up out of the gate is how much our ranking of certain ideas will be influenced down the track by our ranking of other ideas. Because what's what's Mm. striking me is, yeah, it's it's what Chris is highlighting, what you're highlighting, Chris, is the extreme contextual difference of lunch as an idea in a in work a, culture, in a work culture, as opposed to out of work culture. Mm. So uh, like, and I, I brought it up before just as a, just flippantly, but I think that the, that is that the end point, how they have lunch in London, mm. you know, where there was, everyone stands in a queue on their own and it th- goes to it, you know, pharmacy or whatever. And then they grab their one snack, a bit of, you know, a bit of fat and oil, salt rewards, some chips or something. Yeah. And grabs their one sandwich, which is in a, plastic package and it's got shrimp and mayo in it and then they grab a bottle of water like that's hell yeah to me that's like that's that's the worst that's the worst of humanity agreed yeah it's yeah there's nothing worse than that um i'd rather get i'd rather get my letters about tax debts yeah <laughs> and i i mean and it's funny right i think the the codified meals always and what i was talking before it also reminds me of ways where i'm a little where my myself feels a little bit disordered and um a little bit brokenish in terms of everything that I think about. Like when you um, talk about the idea of lunch as just this relaxed communal meal, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, people have had some nice, nice morning together. And now it's like, Hey, uh, should we get start to get some lunch on the go? The the part of me that hates that is the part of me that is like constantly anxious about when I'm going to have food in my mouth. Right. Um, so yeah, like this, I, which leads me to opt out of a lot of what would surely be wonderful environments of like communal cooking and eating and, you know, the foraging, working stuff out part. Yeah, yeah. I'm not there. I'm not great because I'm there. I'm like, I'm like, just, just, just lock me in a bit in a safe until the food is literally ready. <laughs> and I feel like that's, that's something that's, that's a, that's a disorder that's been laid on my mind by uh, a lot of the, a lot of the ways that prescriptive, prescriptivism around meals have ended up being put together. Because there's also the, um, like the community element, you know, often like if you think of a Christmas lunch or something like that, you might be having to share it with people that you 
disagree with and don't enjoy the company of. Sure. But, but, or, or maybe maybe even with co-workers, it's the same thing. But I, I probably on the whole like that. because I, I love it actually. Yeah, I think people, I think it's one of my favourite things is where people who don't agree with each other or aren't the same yeah. have to hang out and have a shared experience. So yeah. I, think, I think that's good. It's like, is it, I mean, every, every story that anyone's ever told is kind of just about that, is kind of just different variations on an uncomfortable lunch. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, can I just throw stories at you and you yep. can tell me how that's I'll, the case? Yep. Star Wars. Absolutely an uncomfortable lunch. Think about it. So the <laughs> <laughs> it literally ends with um, a uh, small, like a small craft going down an esophagus-like uh, channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ultimate metaphor for it, uncomfortable lunch. Exactly. Okay, what about Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is uh, really just a, a strong metaphor for a group of people trying to decide where to eat, uh-huh. and yeah, and uh, basically, and by the time they range around and work out, like basically, it's about the the various options that are shrinking and shrinking in their existence because of the amount of time they're taking deciding where to have lunch. I feel like you're shoehorning it back into lunch. Um, uh, a lot of people have you know, resisted and pushed back on my reading of Lord of the Rings as, <laughs> as an uncomfortable lunch metaphor over the years. So um, that's why I've, uh, that's why you'll be able to see, you, you can find my three volumes of uh, treatise on it. An uh, uncomfortable lunch is a great title for almost anything. I think for, yeah. if, it, if it were a play, I'd be like, Ooh, <laughs> an uncomfortable lunch. It does sound like an Australian play. title. <laughs> you can, you can change it. And you, you just put, a, if you want a different tone to it, just put a different author in front. Stephen King's An Uncomfortable Lunch. <laughs> All right, I'll still read it. Um, okay, I, I think I want one more um, idea about that sings the praises of lunch. If, Great. Like, uh, and just from the top of my head, which is, of course, everything that we're talking about. Um, the When I was recording my most recent album in European countryside, my producer Louis and I, we have, like, like I said, lunches. Lunch is like a, a ritual in a yep. cult. So we'd be working hard in, in the morning, you know, for hours in a sort of really close, in close confines um, on stuff that you have to focus on. And then we'd know we'd have this 90 minutes or two hours in which we'd cook, you know, we were eating fresh stuff from the countryside surrounding us. You know, we'd have maybe half a glass of wine and some soda water or something. You know, it was, it was really, it was, it was the, it was the purest, nicest living, but it was that island of time, and and that's the, that's that's a concept of lunch that mm. that that makes me think that it probably is better than male overall because the, the idea of you know the focus is only on the eating and then everything else falls from that, and that you know for some people I guess that's that's not their idea of fun, but for I feel like for a lot of us that's a that's a real high point of human experience. It's it's definitely yeah you've you've reminded me of the thing. It, that it is for me literally every day, which is just the acknowledgement. I mean, even just the fun acknowledgement of how few minutes at a time humans can and should be focused on something. Um, mm-hmm. And this, the idea of like, yeah, this just not just the license, but the recognition of, of like a, a circuit break away from the activities of the day. Um, but also, as you say, like not from, yeah, I, I, um, I often really enjoy the version of that. That's just me going and having a bit of um, solo meditation time over a bowl of something, but also, yeah, that idea of, because uh, like you, I've done um, weeks of recording in recording studios and things like that, where you're kind of woodshedding with a bunch of people. And yet yeah, all of the warmest, actually all of the warmest memories around it almost are the lunch breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At its best, it's an absolute triumph. Mm.
better than male, I would say. Yeah, I agree. And it's also like eating is something that everybody on the planet does one way or another. Mm -hmm. And I like anything that's a unifying human experience. And unlike other things that, you know, that uh, most people like to do, or need to do, you know, like if you think of a th- of other things that people enjoy, like sex or um, hanging out. Actually, hang out—that's probably another idea for later. But sex, mm-hmm. sex has so much stigma and, and you know defined ritual and like you know. I, I feel like there's. I feel like that's a really broad yep. one that we should unpack as well later. But um, you know, eating. Thank goodness for many of us doesn't carry the same. Like doesn't carry the same sort of load. If you say you're going to lunch, people aren't raising their eyebrow. But if you say I'm going to have sex, people are sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if as long as we can uh, quickly highlight the yeah, just just the amount of fraughtness that a lot of people have around the idea, yeah. of the, the idea of food per se, which is a lot. And there mm-hmm. are there is a lot of yeah, there are people who d- deal with extreme. Um, it's certainly a nightmare. S- a nightmare for many. Yes. Yeah. But um. But yeah. But I do. F- yeah. My hunch is that if we were to just downvote a lot of the um, other aspects of life that um, act as a force, as a negative force multiplier on lunch and then positive society, like in, I think if lunch was say in a theoretical top 50 that only had really killer ideas around it, it could be the best version of itself. I agree. And it's better than male. Definitely better than male. Great. Awesome. Case closed. Case closed.